welcome to the Dr. Dion Show, where real conversations about diversity matter. I'm an educator and consultant specializing in diversity and inclusion. In this show, I interview top experts and people like you and me, highlighting issues like race, gender, and disability. I'm here to create change, expand your understanding of what diversity means, and to continue the mission toward equality so that everyone has a fair shake. This show is not for the faint of heart, so put on your big girl and big boy pants and ride along. Hello and welcome to the Dr. Dion Show. Today I am really excited. I am actually going to be speaking with Dr. Leslie Pascoe, who is a lifestyle dentist. She's a multiple practice owner. She owns three dental practices. I don't know how you do that as a mom and all you do. We're going to talk about that for sure. And uh, just get to the heart of, of dentistry and, and what it entails and the, the, the pitfalls, the, the ups, the downs, everything. How are you, Leslie? I'm doing great, Dion. How are you? I am wonderful. Thank you. Thanks so much for coming on today. I'm really excited about this show. Well, thank you for having me. I'm super excited, too. Well, thank you. So quick question. What is a lifestyle dentist? Yeah, <laughs> that is a good question. Well, you know, dentists get... Uh, kind of brought down into the mundane of their dental practices, their owners and their dentists. So they're the clinician and they're the business owner. Mm. And it kind of tends to take over their life. And uh, I've been very fortunate to be able to own multiple practices at one time and not have the dental office take over my life. So my goal is to teach dentists how they can grow and expand uh, even a single practice to multiple practices if they wish, and uh, have the lifestyle that they deserve. That's awesome. And how long have you been a dentist? I've been a dentist for 20 years. 20 years, wow. Yeah, yeah my awesome. class reunion coming up. <laughs> wow, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah September. What dentistry did you go to? What school did you go to? University of Pittsburgh. Okay, awesome. That's, uh, that must be, that's be really exciting for you to go back, huh? Yeah, well, I live here, but, uh, you know, it's, it's really exciting to see a lot of people that I haven't seen in a long time. Yes, yes. There's I'll a certain see. bond when you, when you go through something like that. There's a certain bond. Even if you don't talk to each other, you feel like you are still bonded together forever. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'll bet. That's, I love that. And so did you always want to be a dentist growing up? No. No, no, no. <laughs> Actually... No, I actually, you know, as a kid, I wanted to be a, uh, a veterinarian. Huh. And then I, yeah, and then I found out that I had to put uh, animals to sleep when they were sick instead of helping them get better. So, mm. yeah, so I, that didn't work out. So then I was always very artistic, and okay. I was going to be an artist. And then I realized you can't make a lot of money as an artist. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. And so then I went into the sciences and uh, I loved the human body. I particularly loved how the heart worked. It's mm -hmm. an amazing organ. And I was going to be a cardiologist until one day I went to a dental appointment and I was studying. And my dentist said, what are you going to school for? I told him and he said, you know, this was, this was 24 years ago now, uh -huh. you know, he said, uh, you know, you should think about dentistry. It's an amazing profession for women. Wow. And this is when women were the underdogs in dentistry. Like we, right now, women are more than 50% of the population of dentists. Really? But it wasn't like that. Yeah, it wasn't like that 24 years ago. So I don't know if he had a, not someone of seeing into the future. But yeah. my first initial thought, Dion, was, oh, that's gross, disgusting. I'm not doing it. <laughs> Being somebody's mouth, yes. Uh -huh. 
Yeah, and I don't know why cracking someone's chest open didn't make me freak out, but being in someone's mouth did. So, so uh, he offered for me to come in and see his practice and how it works, you know, and what being a dentist is like. That's a gift. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it really was. And uh, the first day I went in, he was doing uh, full mouth reconstruction. He was creating oh. someone. Yeah, he was making someone smile beautiful. And the light bulb went off, Dion. It was uh, science and art mixed together. And I thought, wow. yeah. So that's, that. how, that's how I became a dentist. I had no idea. I had no idea. I didn't grow up. My, my roommate in dental school, it's all she wanted to be since the day she was born was a dentist. I did huh. not have experience. <laughs> Well, it's, well, it's so funny, I, you know, just in, in speaking to so many people on this show, it's, it's such a, I, I love it because I would say like 90% of the people that I talk to, they have, including myself, they end up in professions that they don't necessarily um, expect. And, and it's usually just, you know, you're laying on a, a yoga table, for example, once uh, uh, I spoke to a lady last week uh, and then she had an epiphany and, and it just, it just, it's amazing how you just, you just go into a place and you, either you see the experience, you feel the experience, or you meet somebody and that just changes your whole perspective. It just, I, it's so incredible. I just, I, I love to hear these stories. Yeah, it really is. And I think, you know, what you do in life is emotional. And when you have that emotional connection, I believe that that's really important and that's what keeps you going. I, I love what I do. I'm not a hands-on dentist anymore, but I do, I do love seeing people's lives enhanced and changed. Uh, through dentistry you know damn people with teeth live longer than people without teeth wow and, yeah and people with more teeth are more confident than people with less teeth uh, science has proven it so you know a, a dentist is really at the heart you know <laughs> of, of of healthcare, and uh, the jobs that dentists have they're important and so and can you can you expand on that why why do people with teeth live longer Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, when you have your own natural teeth, they're able to sustain certain forces and pressures so that you can actually chew your food properly. And your mouth is the first gateway to your entire uh, digestive system, which yes. is what nutro, you know, gives you the nutrients for your body. Mm -hmm. If your mouth isn't uh, fully put together like it was intended to, it can't chew the food properly, then the food isn't digested as it should be, and it creates problems nutritionally for the body and also stress-wise for the body. And so we see problems uh, related to the digestive tract and uh, geez, you know, even um, brain activity, you know, really? and uh, other disorders. Mm -hmm, absolutely. So then can you- It's where it all begins. What was that? It's where it all begins. <laughs> in the mouth. I'm, I, me I remember learning that they said that digestion begins in the mouth with the, sal the saliva and so on. I'm, I'm, I'm being very simplistic. I'm just trying to, trying to impress you here. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing great. <laughs> oh, oh, gee, thank you. <laughs> so let's, let's go a little deeper. So then, so then why, this is, this is my, my, my own observation. Because the teeth seem to be neglected. I am actually on the, on the other end of the spectrum. I'm actually quite obsessed with teeth. I, like I floss twice a day. I, I make sure my kids floss all the time. And I just, I just, I, I'm very obsessed with my teeth. And, and I can, and there are people who don't even go to the dentist. So, and, and there are people who don't even think that it's, it's important to, to floss. Can you kind of talk about that? Why, why is, if it's such an essential thing and, and, and also a life-saving thing to have. How come so many people neglect their teeth? 
Well, I think there's two factors to this, Dion. I think uh, one factor is lack of education. And I think that comes from the dental profession in general. I think we think that we're good educators, but I don't know that we're sharing important information like what I just shared with you, mm. with our patients. Uh, you know, sometimes I talk to dentists who don't even know that that research, that scientific evidence is out there. Really? And it's shocking when they yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it, they're shocked to find that out. And so I think some of it just comes from lack of education and lack of knowledge. And of course, you know how it is. Uh, there's so much information out there about health. You know, if you drink red wine, you're healthy. If you uh -huh. eat eggs, you're healthy. And then the next day, it's totally bogus. And, <laughs> you know, so I think sometimes there's, you know, lack of confidence in some of the information that we're given. But then I think probably the number one factor why people uh, don't give their teeth as much attention as they should really comes down to dental insurance. I think that there's a misconception. Yeah, I think that there's this misunderstanding that if you don't have dental ins insurance, you can't see the dentist because the dentist is too expensive. Uh, you wouldn't be able to afford it. But really, none of that is true. Actually, dental insurance is not helping patients. It's actually keeping them from getting better in most cases. So patients without dental insurance, you know, really should be seeing the dentist. And I think that's probably the number one reason why people don't go to see the dentist. Of course, outside of the obvious, which is most people are afraid of the dentist. Yes. <laughs> so, but we're very, we're very nice people, I promise. <laughs> well, you're, you're, I think you're a very good representative today. So, so in, Thank so you. So what about so what about insurance? I'm not understanding that that insurance issue. So you're saying that the insurance companies are not necessarily educating people properly in terms of or, or dentists not educating people properly in terms of the the, the importance of, of oral health, and then you're and then you're tying in the whole insurance part, saying that insurance kind of is a deterrent for people to not to go because it's too expensive, or they think it's too expensive. Absolutely. So, you know, insurance really came about from a whole marketing campaign, you know, it was it was to market uh, dental insurance and purchasing the insurance plans. It was really a marketing strategy. And so that message has continued. And uh, it's been marketed that, you know, dental insurance is a necessity when really dental insurance is not. You know, Dion, uh, a little history on dental insurance. It was started early in the in the 50s in California, I believe, and it really didn't start taking off until the 1970s. Huh. And in the 1970s, it was used as something to attract employees to the workforce for different companies. So that it was like a, you know, like the carrot that would be dangled to attract wow. employees, yeah, to one organization over another. And uh, in the 1970s, like let's say the year I was born, 1972, for example, uh, the, the insurance benefit was $1,000. Huh. Yeah, it's 45 years later and the insurance benefit is still $1,000. And the what? premiums, yeah, absolutely. Why, <laughs> has, why has not shift, why hasn't it shifted? Because they don't need to, because they keep selling the insurance plans and the dentists keep participating with them. Yeah, I'm talking. It's incredible. That is, that is, that is shocking. Yeah. I mean, in, in, you know, 45 years ago in the 70s, $1,000 bought a lot of dentistry. But as you know, $1,000 today doesn't go very far in dentistry because the cost of delivering the service has, has doubled, tripled, quadrupled, and then some. So yeah. 
you know, it, it's, it's a very different show. And most people don't realize this. The insurance companies will give a patient $1,000 in benefits. Uh, and the patient thinks that, you know, that's a lot of money and the dentist is, is making out. But truly, the dentist isn't. Because what most patients don't know is that insurance companies actually cut the fees that the dentists are allowed to charge. Huh. So they, they manage the fees. So if you participate, if you're a dentist and you participate with an insurance company, uh -huh. uh, that means that you are contracted to accept a lower fee than what you would normally charge. And I'm not talking by 10 or $15. I'm talking by a third to 50% of what you would normally charge. So does it not hurt your bottom line then, having to do that? Absolutely. That's why dentists are so stressed out. <laughs> they find it wow. very difficult. Yeah, they're working for half. I mean, you can imagine anybody in any workforce industry, if they had to work for half of what they were supposed to, how would they feel? That's insane. And it that, is insane. And, and that, that, that segues into what you revealed off camera um, when we spoke, we spoke before, when you shared that there's a high suicide rate with, with dentistry, with dentists. Is, is, would you say that, that ties into it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, dentists are type A personalities to begin with. We like instant results. That's why we go into that field. Uh -huh. um, but when we work really hard and we care about people, and then when our hands are tied behind our back, because insurance companies are dictating what we can charge and how that affects our lifestyle is tremendous. You know, I have, uh, I talk to thousands of dentists on a regular basis. I mean, suicide is something that goes through many dentists' minds, whether they have gone through with it or not. Wow. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I have to say this, uh, you know, I graduated uh, close to 20 years ago, and I told you my class reunion is coming up, but there's going to be two less people at my class reunion because they committed suicide. They couldn't take the stresses and the pressures. Oh, I'm sorry to hear yeah. that. Yeah, and I just talked to a classmate of mine last night who said that he's contemplated the same thing because where his practice was, the insurance companies changed the fees so dramatically that, you know, his income uh, went down to a third of what he would normally be making. His marriage was destroyed. Wow. Now, yeah, because the, the stresses, you know, when you, you, you take on these financial responsibilities in your life, you're a provider for your family, but then the insurance companies dictate how much you can charge and it affects your bottom line. It puts a lot of stress on you and your family and your lifestyle. So, so how how and if how how is it possible if is possible is it possible sorry mm -hmm. how do you diminish the power that these insurance companies have over your profession mm -hmm. you're all practicing doctors I, I don't understand you you went to school for how many years and you and you, you know your practice your, your profession better than anybody else so that's just crazy to me it is crazy you're 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 not you're not <laughs> you're sane so you see it as being <laughs> insane and uh you know and unfortunately as dentists we don't have a whole lot of power if you participate with the insurance and i'm just i'm just dabbling on the tip of the iceberg here there's so much more that's associated with how you get paid when you get paid if you get paid uh, there's so much more that is involved with this, but the reason why we don't have much control over it is because uh, dentists are one single, usually one single solo practice owner, and we're just one small piece of the equation. And the insurance companies are large companies that are owned usually by investment groups, huge financial backing, 
Hmm. And so there isn't a whole lot that we, that we can do. The best thing that a dentist can do is to not participate with the insurance program. I was going to ask you that. Okay. Yeah. However, uh, that means that the patient would have to pay more to the yes. dentist who's not participating. And patients don't understand the mechanics behind the insurance company and what it's doing to the dental profession. So they'll just go to the next guy who actually participates so that they can pay less. And so still, ultimately, the dentist suffers because they lose the patients. So you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> it makes it tough. It's a tough industry. Wow, wow. So, so was that why you made the move? You, you said two things that are, that are significant here. You, you said that you, you're now a multiple practice owner. Yes. And you also said that you're also, you're no longer actually practicing this. So you guess you're more, you're more an administrator. So um, mm -hmm. I'd love to talk about that first. So, so what was that like? Because I remember um, at one point I was, I was in classroom. I'm, I'm equating what kind of. So I was in the classroom and I was just hands-on teaching and loved it. And then I had an opportunity to be in a whole, in a, in a fully administrative position. And I could not, I couldn't stand it. I just, I missed being in the trenches and teaching and so on. So what was that transition like for you going from the actual practitioner to actually being the business owner? And uh, you're pretty busy, I'm sure. But if, do, you, do you miss that? Do you miss actually practicing? There's some things I miss about it. I miss dealing with uh, the patients and their personalities. I love working with people. But I've learned to replace that with the dentist that I'm working with. I help dentists now. And so I feel like I'm actually helping more patients. You know, I have, I have two hands. And I can only touch so many people with those two hands. But if I have 100 dentists that I've changed their lives and helped improve their lifestyle, then that's that many more patients that I look at that I'm helping indirectly. I love so, that. Thank you. Yeah, I, that's, I always try to look at the bigger picture, Dion. I always try to look at what the long-term effect is for everything that I do. And that's the way I saw it. So every now and then I want to jump in and do a really good crown prep. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I don't even know I, what that is. It sounds cool, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> you know, but I, but you know, I, I hold myself back because I know I'm doing something, something That's more. So. Very cool. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so, so you, you have, you do articulate. You say that you help dentists make their practice work for them instead of the, them working for their practice. Yes. Can, can yeah. you expand on that? What is, what does that mean? Yeah. Well, you know, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. You know, when I first bought my first practice. Uh, years ago in New York, uh, I thought I, I thought I, I thought it was all going to be glorious. I was like, "Ooh, I have my practice. I'm my own boss. I can come and go as I please. I'm going to make lots of money." And none of that happened. <laughs> I, uh, I found out. I found out very quickly. Uh, the patients were telling me what to do. The staff were telling me what to do. I was getting paid more as an associate dentist than I was as a practice owner, <laughs> and wow. I was working more hours. So, um, so I became very stressed out. And uh, I wasn't, I, I, I'm an overachiever. And uh, if, I, if I'm gonna do anything, I wanna do it 100%. And when I don't do it 100%, I get mad at myself, you know? Uh -huh. And yeah, and I was mad at myself. And I was not in a very good place because my practice was controlling me, I wasn't controlling it. Mm. So basically, I was an employee in my own practice. And uh, so I came to a point, I woke up, something particularly woke me up. And I said, you know what? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be in that position anymore. I am going to control my practice. It's not going to control me. And ever since I've adopted that mentality, 
and uh, learned how to actually communicate well with people, get patients to say yes to the treatment they need rather than to put it off or just do what the insurance covers. I've learned how to manage my staff. I've learned how to grow and organize a, a, a dental practice or any business for that matter. And, you know, everything has uh, worked out beautifully. And so that's what I mean by getting the practice to work for you rather than you working for it is it doesn't have to be hard. You don't have to work long hours. You can actually not go to work and still make an income <laughs> and, you know, live the lifestyle that you want to have time for your, your family, which is number one and most important. Mm -hmm. And if that's not there because you're too stressed out at work, then that's when everything starts to crumble. That's awesome. Yeah, there's nothing like passive income, huh? Yeah, that's absolutely right. Absolutely. So, did, so at what point did, you, did this revelation come to you? So you're, you're, you've been in the business for 20 years now. When did you acquire your second practice? Yeah, so um, when I had my practices in New York, I had two practices there. And I decided I wanted to relocate to Pennsylvania for family reasons. And so I relocated to Pennsylvania. I started to scratch practice here. And um, my, my goal, Dion, was, <laughs> like I said, I'm an overachiever, right? Uh, my goal was I just wanted a nice lifestyle. I just wanted to do dentistry, work nine to five, Monday through Thursday. My daughter, you know, this was five years ago. My daughter was two years old at the time. And I just wanted to be a mommy and, you know, do all those things. So. Yeah, so, so, you know, and so I made this really nice practice that I was going to work in nine to five. And um, I missed working with dentists and I missed helping dentists and I missed that, that big game and that activity and getting out there and really helping a lot of people and it was just not enough for me. Mm -hmm. And so I went back into, back into consulting and training uh, with a management company that I trained under and that I work for. And um, I, you know, it's, it, I've been doing it ever since. I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't do that nine to five schedule. And <laughs> I, I understand. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know you do. I know you do. Wow. And, so, and now I teach dentists how to do that. You know, I teach dentists if that's what they want to do. There's a lot of, like I said, more than 50% of the dentist population is female. So they're experiencing the same thing. They've dumped a lot of money into their education, mm -hmm. uh, but they're also married and they have children or they want to have children or they want to get married and have that life, but they don't know how to balance the two. And so, so I, I offer a lot of uh, help in that area. That's amazing. So, so in addition to the actual dentistry practices, you're actually modeling for them how you can be a successful business owner, a mom, everything at the same time. So that what a gift you are to the professional. Oh, well Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, my practices are like the physical aspect of, of what I do. And then I give seminars and talks and Facebook live shows and things like that to reach out to dentists to let them know that, you know, if they're struggling or if they aren't struggling, but they still want to do better, that there's something that can be done. I love that. And so what advice would you give to a, a new dentist or, or well, someone who's in, the, who's, who's in the trenches right now and, and they're just on a hamster wheel? What would yeah. you yeah, so for a new dentist, the first thing that I would say is uh, an advice that someone had given to me when I got out of dental school. And unfortunately, new dentists are graduating with about, most people don't know this either, about $400,000 in debt from their $400, education. $400,000? $400,000 is the average. Wow. Just, just for their dental, yeah, just for their dental school education, not even including undergraduate. So they're coming out with a hefty bill. Wow. And they got to pay that back. And I remember when I came out of school and I looked at what my debt was, it wasn't $400,000. It was about half of that. And I was freaking out. 
And uh, one of my instructors told me, he said, don't worry about your student loans. Just look at it like another mortgage payment. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's what I would have to say for the new dentists coming out. And I would say, you know, get a job or a position uh, first before you buy a practice and make sure it's in a practice that you can agree with rather than a practice where you're doing things that you don't agree with. And then for the guy that's struggling, you know, uh, or the gal that's struggling, I would say, you know, that there's, there's hope. It doesn't have to be the way that it is. It can be better. It can be easy. The reason why someone struggles with something is because they just don't have the knowledge or the tools mm -hmm. to change the situation. Once you get the knowledge, once you get the tools, that situation changes. In dental school, they don't teach us how to handle people. They don't teach us how to market and get new patients. They only teach us how to work on the teeth. Really? But yeah, but there's something attached to the tooth, and that's a person. Absolutely. You know? And people think, and they feel, and they have emotions and thoughts, and they, they say things. And, you know, knowing how to handle that is critical. And when you have the right tools to be able to handle that, mm -hmm. uh, then the, the, the job changes. And it becomes fun, and you have more freedom and you move further and further away from all that stress that makes you think the things you don't want to think. I love that because I, I, I go back to what you said in the, in the beginning. You said what you do in life is emotional. Mm, absolutely. Wow. That's, that's, really, that's really profound. So can we just kind of switch gears for a second? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Your show, whatever you want. <laughs> so I want to talk about bad breath. Mm. I want to talk about in the workplace, what do you do? Uh, I, 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 we now know the reasons why some people don't actually go to the dentist, but what do you do in that situation? Like as, as you, as, so say for example, you are, well, you are a business owner and you yeah. encounter somebody, of course, people in, in I hope dentists actually have proper breath. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised. But really? Wow. <laughs> we all have our bad days. Yes. But. Okay. <laughs> well, yes. But, but how do you, I'm talking about like, like halitosis, like really, really, like what, how do you cancel somebody uh, as an employer if you encounter that? What, what, what advice would you give to, to, to somebody? Because I'll give you, can I give you a quick example? Yeah, absolutely. My girlfriend and I were in Toronto. We met for, went, met for dinner at this pretty upscale Italian restaurant. Uh, we sat down. We were waiting for our drinks to arrive. This couple sat down beside us. I don't know if it was their first date or if they were together. It didn't seem like they were, they, they were, they were familiar. But nonetheless, blessed his heart. The man's breath was, it was, Leslie, I, I can't, it was, it was so horrible and so potent. We had to get up and move and move to another table. Yeah. So, so I, I, so, so we had that choice to do so. I can only imagine how the woman was sitting, sitting across from him because it was terrible. Even the, even the waitress smelled it and said, I'm yeah. so sorry, I'm so sorry. So if he's in a restaurant, you know he went to work the same day. So what can you say to somebody? What should be said? Because I think that's, that's a health hazard. I think it's just, it's, just it's, it's, it's a nuisance that you have to encounter somebody's breath in the workplace. You know what? You're, at, you're absolutely right. And again, that comes from the lack of attention, right? And so just, just first, before I address that, let me just tell you what, and not to gross you out, and make the situation worse, but let me just tell you what you are actually uh, smelling. Ooh. What you're actually smelling in that situation is decaying tissue inside the mouth. Oh. 
when someone has, when it's not a garlic odor or an onion odor and it's just like a, right? I'm sure it's probably smelled like something was dying, right? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, and that's exactly what it is. It's the gum tissue and the bone that holds the teeth in that's dying. Wow. It's dead and so you're smelling all the bacteria gases. Oh! I'm sorry, oh, I know, I'm, I'm so glad, sorry. I'm so glad I moved. Oh! <laughs> I am too. That's gross. <laughs> yeah, so, so that's what you, so, so it's not like, you know, he probably had like some sandwich with tons of onion and garlic on it. It's actually a physical thing. And that, that breakdown of the bone and the tissue is making him really, really sick. It's, it's breaking down other parts of his body, like his heart tissue, you know, uh, his brain tissue, things like that too. So, really? Uh, that, yeah, that's called gum disease. And it's a very silent process until it gets to this point where teeth start to feel loose and the, uh, and the odor is there. And it's, a, it's a very uh, un, uncomfortable situation. And it's a very uncomfortable discussion to have with somebody because people are very self-conscious about it. So in the workplace, the first thing that I would say is, you know, obviously if someone has an odor like that, that's not lunch related or something coming from their mouth, then obviously something is going on, you know? Um, so, so I would say the first thing is, is there should always be policies in any business about self-keeping, you know, like how you're expected to keep yourself and, you know, what's considered uh, professional appearance and uh, policies on cleanliness, and uh, if someone isn't falling into those categories that are not within the scopes of that policy, I guess the way that I would handle it is, is I always have had a, a more uh, caring approach to dealing with, uh, with team members, staff members, employees, is I'd sit down and I'd say, so let me talk to you. How are you doing? How are you feeling? You know, how are things for your body? Are you getting enough rest? Are you getting enough sleep? You know, tell me about your teeth. Are you able to take care of your teeth? Are you having any pain? Mm -hmm. any and that's probably how I would lead into the subject. Okay. Um, you know, unless I had like some written reports from other employees or something about that, I, you know, I'd probably then eventually pull out the written reports and, and show the person that it's a problem, uh, depending on if those reports were anonymous or not, because uh, then obviously that would make other people uncomfortable. But I think, you know, the best thing to do is just to really have open communication about it. You know, in, in a situation like that, that like what you experienced, that was a customer. There's not much that the restaurant could do. Mm -hmm. But could you imagine if that was the waiter or the bartender? Oh, wow. I mean, would you, you wouldn't want to eat there. So it affects the business negatively. Of course. You know? And uh, it distracts people from getting their work done. It, uh, you know, it becomes the center of attention instead of, you know, their work becoming a center of focus. Yeah. So it can be very distracting. So I think just always, you know, having that policy put in place about cleanliness of the environment and themselves, you know, what's expected as far as appearance and body odor and things like that, having that in a policy just sets things straight. Very and it opens the door for conversation. That's yeah. very interesting because I don't, um, you know, in, in as, as long as I've been working, um, I don't think I've ever seen a policy on cleanliness in any contract and anything that I've ever, I've ever encountered. Never. Oh yeah. And, and oh wow. I don't think, I think there's no, I, I there's probably, and I wonder if it's because there's an expectation as adults that um, it's, it's just known that, that, that is expected of you. Um, but the fact that you, you actually advise that, I think that's, that's, 
I think that's pretty cool. I think the thing is a good thing, especially if, if somebody is kind of, I guess, in violation of, of, of just normal hygienic practices, then you can, you can, you can go to the, to the policy and say, you know what, you're in violation of the policy. Let's see what we can do to change this. And what, what can you, you, you have to change this in, in, in essence. So that's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, when, when it gets to that point and, we're in, in, and you're at that point in discussion where you're talking about changing it, I think, you know, the approach, I've always approached things like that from the help aspect, which is, you know, what's happening? Why aren't you getting this taken care of? And if it comes up as a financial matter or a fear matter or an insurance matter or something like that, then I think uh, if the, uh, the employee has been a good, productive employee, then I don't think there's anything wrong with a company assisting that person in correcting the problem. Whether they assist them 50%, uh, 25%, 100%, or give them a loan that they can pay the company back out of their paycheck or something like that. Mm -hmm. you know, if someone's been productive and they've been a good contributor to the growth of that company, then I think that that person should be helped. I love that. I love that. So, so the, the compassion. Absolutely. Absolutely. You get a lot more with honey than you do with vinegar. That's right. You sure do. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. So, so what's next for Dr. Leslie? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, well, I'm still uh, buying dental practices. I'm still being a mom. That's one of that's my favorite job. I love being a mom. And uh, yeah, I'm working on my social media presence. I'm doing podcasts and uh, Facebook stuff and uh, tons of public speaking. I'm all over the United States and Canada. I'm hoping to get international over on the other side there. Maybe go to Europe. That would be fun. You know, um, so I'm, I'm giving, uh, I give seminars sometimes two to three days a week somewhere around the country. I'm sorry, yeah. you said seminars? Seminars, yeah, talks. Yeah, two to three days a week. Yeah, every week. So Good for you. Good for yeah, you. I love what I do. So I'm just going to keep doing that, and I'm going to keep building it, and I'm going to keep reaching out to as many dentists and uh, their offices as possible and help them, you know, make their practice work for them. Fantastic. Yeah, and so working for their practice. I love that. And where can people find you? Uh, so uh, you can find me on Facebook, uh, Dr. Leslie Pasco. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, you can find me just about anywhere. <laughs> so, yeah, just look for the Lifestyle Dentist and Dr. Leslie Pasco. You type it in, you're going to find me. Wonderful. Well, it has been a delight to speak to you today and meet you. And thanks so much for your information. And, and uh, I, I know you've helped many people. You've uh, actually taught me a few things as well. So I appreciate that. Not that I'm a dentist, so I don't know. But, but nonetheless, thank you so much for your information today. It's, it's um, very informative and necessary. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks so much. Thank you. And if you enjoyed this show, please uh, go to my iTunes page and write a comment. You can also reach out to me online and social media and also reach out to Dr. Leslie. She knows what she's talking about. And, uh, and if you are a dentist, uh, she can certainly help you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you.